Hello, everybody. This is Alien Talk Podcast, a program where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs and where we push the limits of our understanding. We are Joe Landry and Nori Olford, your co-host, and we are glad to be here with you after two weeks. Uh, thank you all for joining us. And for those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time, we would like to extend a big welcome to you. Hey there, Lori. How's it going for you after our long break? Hey, Joe. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Yeah, it does take uh, some getting used to with us uh, doing a show every week now, or every other week now. And it seems like uh, a lot of time goes by. But uh, anyway, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I mean, uh, two weeks does go by pretty quickly, uh, but so many things are going on. I mean, not just in the world, but here on the home front as well. Um, it's hard to believe how time flies and how much happens daily in our lives. But uh, it's always good to be back to do a podcast episode, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and today we're we're going to explore a period in history that uh, has always been very fascinating to me, and that is World War II. Uh, there's just something about that era that we've learned about in school and, and have read about in books and have seen in movies that is just very fascinating and intriguing. Um, and when I say fascinating, I mean, I, I am fascinated by the amount of hate humans have for each other and the amount of destruction we can cause because of our ideologies, whether they're religious or otherwise. It was a very, very sad time in our history, both World War I and World War II, actually, which resulted in millions upon millions of people did. So an interesting period, but also a dark period. Yeah, I totally agree. Even today, the world is still living through the impact caused by it. I think it is probably the one event. And it's really not accurate to refer to it as one event, as it is really the conglomeration of many different events that are all tied in together, but it is the one epic in our history that I think has reshaped the world like none other, uh, politically, economically, socially, intellectually, and for certain, technologically. Uh, many things are an integral part of our world to this very day because of all the dynamics that played out during World War II, and we continue to allude to it as the big one for that reason. Yeah, and of course... We know that the Roswell incident happened just a couple of years after the war ended, but we have to wonder if there were any sightings of UFOs before Roswell during the actual time World War II was going on. And the answer is yes, there were, in fact, quite a few of them. I think it's important to realize that uh, Roswell is only significant because it became the the start of the narrative that the government followed throughout the uh, duration of its UFO program. Right. Roswell is sort of what materialized the concept of UFOs being real things that might be of extraterrestrial origin and also the policy that the United States and other countries have followed concerning their reporting, uh, investigation and public dissemination. I guess you can say it it launched the frenzy of enthusiasm and media coverage that we've seen, at, at least what we've seen in our lifetime. You know, we are going to review the accounts of those UFO sightings that were reported, as you said. Before there was ever such a thing, at least as as we say officially as UFO sightings, that is, before they were ever called UFOs. Yeah, and those go back to the aerial battles of World War II over Europe and the Pacific, with the first ones being witnessed by the Royal Air Force as early as 1940. Uh, But it was after a British air crew on a torpedo bombing mission over the Rhine River in November 1944 that the name Foo Fighter started to become circulated. 
Uh, it was about a month afterwards that in the British Daily Telegraph and the New York uh, Herald Times, I'm sorry, the New York Herald Tribune and Time Magazine, that the name Foo Fighter uh, was actually printed. And these were described by the aviators as multicolored balls of light or balls of fire, about eight to ten of them uh, just moving around in the sky. Right. And according to SmithsonianMag.com, dated August 2016, Foo Fighter is the word that military pilots came up with after supposedly seeing groups of strange looking uh, formations of lights following their aircraft, usually during nighttime missions, of course. Um, they were seen many times by the Royal Air Force. It's believed that Donald J. Myers with the 415th Night Fighter Squadron, who may actually have been the first to come up with the name based off a popular comic strip in the 1930s called Smokey Stover, the Foo Fighter, in which Smokey would you know, often say, "Where, uh, what is it, where there's foo, there's fire? <laughs> um, it was sort of just, you know, you know, gibberish at the time used to uh, designate something as uh, unknown. Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the time, now I think the cartoon character Smokey Stover is, is pretty obscure. Um, you and I know, Lori, that it's kind of typical for certain words, phrases, and adages to be used by guys in the military as well as in law enforcement uh, that are maybe pithy. Um, but also a little bit nonsensical and perhaps even a, a bit childish at times. So, you know, these balls of fire were reported as uh, flying parallel to the aircraft, uh, which were moving at about 200 miles per hour, and that they were like Christmas lights uh, with the colors of either uh, red, green, or orange. Yeah, and they could outmaneuver the planes by zipping around them in, in ways that probably made that, you know, uh, made the pilots think they they might actually be watching it all on a cartoon <laughs> yeah. uh well i mean what's strange is that they they never showed up on any radar uh, but there are some photographs that were taken of them just just as there are photographs and footage of other ufo sightings so uh, that and you know that in and of itself is uh nothing unique yeah however members uh some of the members of the 415th uh night fighter squadron were interviewed on video and I'm guessing probably from sometime in the 1980s. And they say that these objects, or lights as they called them, would precisely follow every move of their aircraft and would always be just right off of their wings. Um, they said they couldn't shake them. And these interviews are found on EEZ Now, dated February 21st, 2015, on YouTube. And they can be found on several YouTube channels, uh, if you can just get past all the ones that are uh, videos of the Foo Fighters, the music group. <laughs> um, <laughs> But here, these guys are, are saying, you know, many, many years later that they really did see these things, the Foo Fighters. Uh, and these uh, old pilots, they are, they're all articulate, coherent, and they all seem cognitively fit at the time of the interviews, uh, even for their old age. So they don't come across as kooks. <laughs> yeah, also, uh, according to uh, documented interviews with the pilots found in uh, fourthkind.com by, by Joe uh, uh, Hasse, uh, that that one was dated uh, April 5th of 2016, where they claim to have been uh, quite agitated uh, upon seeing the, them flying and maneuvering around their aircraft so quickly and without them being able to do anything about it uh, or anything to make them go away. However, the uh, pilots also said that they were highly professional and and wanted to tell their stories, you know, without the speculation. 
and 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 they were even accused by some other officers of uh, suffering hallucination uh, set on by uh, fatigue. And it should be noted that the balls of lights caused no damage to the airplanes or even injuries to the crews. Yeah, and of course, many were quick, quick to hypothesize that the lights were part of some kind of secret weapon technology that was being used by the Nazis. And indeed, the Allies were not the only ones who have witnessed the Foo Fighters. There are accounts of and film footage uh, from German and Japanese pilots uh, to have encountered them as well. Uh, but it was thought by many higher-ups in the military that the Foo Fighters might uh, have been something devised by the Third Reich. Uh, there are numerous accounts of British and American intelligence officers intercepting messages that were supposedly coming straight from the German high command about in projects that involved specialized technical sophistication that were literally out of this world. And in 1943, there was the Waffen uh, program, which means vengeance weapons. And this led to the development of the V-2 rocket. Remember, at this time, a rocket was basically something out of science fiction. So to find out about the Nazis being able to construct and use something like that was was huge. It was a big deal. Uh, the idea that they could launch it from some place like uh, Kummersdorf in Germany all the way to London while carrying an explosive payload was very alarming to the Allies, as this was technology that they weren't even close to having acquired. Yeah, the uh, V-2 rocket was actually the uh, uh, precursor to what we know today to be the ICBM. Uh, not only that, but there are reports of the Nazis having all kinds of bizarre flying vehicles and secret weaponry. And there is a film footage of them testing a flying saucer aircraft called the uh, uh, Hanbu, which uh, is, is claimed to have uh, possibly inspired uh, detailed readings of an ancient uh, Sanskrit text. Uh, then there's that thing uh, they call the uh, the Glock uh, that was revealed from the interviews with a former SS officer named Jacob uh, Spornberg. And it supposedly could move through the air with the use of uh, an anti-gravity propulsion system. And I believe they also said that it, uh, could, it could supposedly open up uh, wormholes. Now, according to Polish uh, journalist Sigur Wikowski, uh, who wrote uh, about the interview in 2000, as found on ancientcode.com, said that the Nazi bell, or Daglaki, contained mysterious fixtures of, of liquid metals that emit like a violet light color, and that when activated, uh, it could kill any living thing within 200 meters of it by freezing the blood in the body. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Allied officers could have reasonably inferred that the Foo Fighters, uh, the balls of light, uh, the sightings may have been part of the secret Nazi Wunderwaffe uh, or Wonder Weapon experiments, uh, as they were, uh, like you pointed out, on the cutting edge of some new technologies, uh, some of them very mysterious, uh, never confirmed, but the, the, the stories about them were very mysterious. Uh, as it is, many of the sightings, but certainly not all of them, were observed over German-controlled territories to include France, Italy, and Holland. Uh, however, the encounters with them did not coincide with any aerial attacks from positions on the ground, and no damage was ever caused by them. So it seems strange that they would be Nazi weapons if they did not take out a single aircraft when it seems like they could very well have done so. Right. And in an article by uh, Adam Janos on History.com, that one dated uh, January 15th of 2020, one of the descriptions of the Foo Fighters was that they were cigar-shaped and red in color and could turn on a dime. 
this would completely rule out the B-2 rockets. Uh, some of the uh, pilots described them to be around, you know, 10 of them in a row, uh, looking more of an orange color instead of a red, and just off the, the right wing to one of the planes. The ground radar wasn't showing anything, um, and then they just vanished. And then on December 22nd, 1944, more lights were observed with the same you know, orange glow uh, rising to about uh, 10,000 feet behind one of the fighters. Um, th- they were stated by the uh, pilot to be under perfect control at all times. Uh, supposedly, there was also um, another cigar-shaped craft with a red glow that the pilot attempted to evade, but it stayed right by the fighter for several minutes before it flew off and just disappeared. Um, so some of the explanations for these sightings was that they were their flares and such, but the pilots dismissed those claims as flares uh, cannot track planes and, and follow right next to them. Yeah, and flares, uh, like IR flares, weren't really used at that time. They, they weren't employed until around the Vietnam War era with the advent of more sophisticated electronic countermeasures that were on aircraft. Of course, hallucination from combat fatigue and, and evil, even the simple misidentification of other Allied planes uh, were suggested as causes. Um, yet the pilots had described uh, what they had described seemed to behave and consistently behave. You know, remember, as these accounts are from multiple crew members, uh, they seem to behave like nothing else uh, altogether. Right. Now, Janice continues by saying that nothing in Nazi Germany's arsenal can explain the Foo Fighter description, as pilots were saying they could turn on a dime and change the acceleration pattern. Now, rockets can't do that, certainly not the uh, V-2. Uh, also, Nicholas uh, Veronico, uh, an aviation historian and public affairs officer for the Astronomical Society off the, off the uh, Pacific, said in the same History.com article that this explanation for the Foo Fighters comes up short and is quoted as saying, the fantasy is that 100 years after the war, the U.S. or Soviets will release information about what they captured and it'll blow all our minds. But I think they would have capitalized on it by this point or weaponized it. For sure. And even if they were a a weapon system, a part of a weapon system that the Germans were just simply testing, uh, it seems like there would at least be more reports, at least a few reports uh, on either side of there being some damage or explosions that would have resulted from that. And then we don't have anything like that at all. Mm. Yeah, and so later on, uh, much later on, the uh, Army Air Force sent officers to investigate the entire phenomena and and talk to the uh, air crews. But as luck would have it, the research was lost. Convenient, right? <laughs> uh, in 1953, the CIA sent six top scientists familiar with experimental aviation technology to see if the lights were a threat to national security. And the end result? No official conclusion. I mean, ain't that something? <laughs> yeah. Now, Keith Chester wrote about the Foo Fighters in his book, uh, Strange Company, a Military Encounters with UFOs in World War II. Uh, Richard Zeibart, a historian with a different unit, the uh, 417th Night Fighter Squadron, he uh, wasn't able to give an explanation for them either, but did say that he thought the reason they were not detected by radar was because they were not solid material. Um, they were what they seemed as balls of light. Right, and, and has been suggested by some experts, as illustrated by Bipin Demiri on historicmysteries.com, 
that the appearance of the Foo Fighters may have something to do with what is called St. Elmo's Fire. Now, this is a fairly rare phenomenon in which electrical charges build up on pointed surfaces, like usually the ship's masts. Um, it, it can also form on the tips of airplane wings, and it, it emits a, a glow of blue and white and sometimes even purple light. And, and while St. Elmo's Fire is not a very common thing to occur, as there needs to be enough turbulence in the air, uh, so as to induce uh, an electrical charge, uh, kind of like how we see when a, a big storm is brewing. Um, this is going in the formation of lightning. Uh, then there are these discharges that come from the wingtips in the form of sparks. So this is due to the uh, electrostatic charge buildup from the friction of the metal surfaces of the wing and the, the fuselage passing through the air at high speeds. And again, uh, seasoned aviators know all about this, and they, they wouldn't call a Foo Fighter um, they wouldn't call this a Foo Fighter. They would call it what it really is, which is just static dissipation. Yeah, and according to Zybart, the air crews found these sightings to be very unnerving. And and if there was a, if there was any bogey out there, the pilots would absolutely be able to tell what they were. Uh, in, in other words, because they didn't show up on radar, the only explanation uh, explanation is that they were just a group of lights. So. Wait a minute here. Um, these were experience, experienced fighter pilots, and we're to believe that they cannot tell the difference between lights and an actual bogey here. Um, and on top of that, there was no official explanation from those six scientists, who likewise never claimed in their findings that they were just light. Um, only some squadron historian offers the possibility of it just being lights. Um, also, my question is, how does intelligence gathering like this of national security interests simply just get lost after the war, right? Can you smell yet another cover up there, Joe? Well, yeah, and, and there really was, if there really was some information at the top echelons as to what these things really were, it would be top secret. So they certainly wouldn't just tell the pilots what they really were, just like they wouldn't tell the general public what they were. Um, everything within the military is on a need-to-know basis. Uh, we've seen that as the protocol with UFO reporting uh, that the first line of defense is denial and complete rejection of the claim that anything had been seen at all. Um, recall how the, the Roswell incident was handled. And, and like we said, Roswell is not the sole incident of its kind, and nor is it even the, the first incident of its kind. Um, therefore, we can be certain that the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Office of Strategic Services, which is the predecessor of the CIA, would have always wanted the matter to be handled in the, in the same way with the same protocols, and that is to prevent public panic and to also reduce as much as possible any liability that the government may incur from in obtaining such information as this. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. So, 
So here we have yet again another incident where unidentified objects are messing around with military aircraft, but no official outcome on, on their origins or identity. Now, this event occurred in 1944, Roswell was in 1947, and Area 51 was acquired in 1955. Now, as per Britannica.com, in 1947, there was another famous sighting just before the Roswell crash, which were seen and reported by pilot Kenneth Arnold in uh, Washington State. Now, he stated that the he stated that the nine UFOs were uh, traveling approximately several thousand miles per hour, and their movement was like saucers skipping on water. Hence, the famous term we know today as flying saucers. Now, um, it was in 1948 when uh, there was an increase in UFO sightings. Because of this, many special projects were initiated to investigate the thousands of aerial phenomena that would eventually be reported. These investigations were later known as Project Sign, uh, Project Grudge, and uh, probably the most famous one, Project Blue Book. Of course, many of the findings, a, a good 90%, were explained away as being things other than extraterrestrial. However, some scientists and even some engineers uh, such as famous uh, astronomer J. Allen Hynek uh, concluded that a small fraction of the most reliable UFO reports gave definite indications for the uh, presence of extraterrestrial visitors. So we also have to speculate here, Laurie, if the Foo Fighters that were seen by World War II pilots aren't possibly the same unidentified aerial phenomena that we have recently been calling the Tic Tacs. Uh, you pointed out before how certain strange objects in the sky were one time called eggs, as uh, these would have been at the time before such a thing as a Tic Tac uh, mint was invented. Uh, they weren't invented until around 1969. So in the 1940s, that word wouldn't have ever entered their minds. Right. And there's a report as far back as 1904 when Lieutenant Frank uh, Schofield, who would later become the commander in chief of the Pacific Fleet, was aboard the USS Supply and saw what he called three remarkable meteors flying toward the ship. Uh, he said they were red in color and the largest one was egg shaped. Uh, so these could have also been the same things that were later you know, called the Foo Fighters. But in 2004, when we have the U.S. Naval video footage, we do uh, have an item that resembles these things in the sky and it's the Tic Tac Breath Mint. So mm -hmm. it could be that these lights or objects that have been seen by aviators uh, on a continual basis uh, since the 1940s, could they be the same thing? There's a good chance that this is the case. Um, the disc, the egg, the cigar, the Tic Tac, they may all just be picture words for the same kind of object. Um, the increase in UFO sightings around World War II and thereafter could have something to do with extraterrestrial intelligence being interested in our technological development, which indeed was rapidly increasing during this time period. Perhaps they were wanting to see if we are either a threat or and nothing to worry about just yet anyway. Um, but after the dropping of two nuclear bombs, well, I, I think we got their attention. So um, the increased sightings, the crashes, the and claims of reverse alien technology and the nuclear arms race, and then the moon landing. Uh, was humanity being closely watched by these extraterrestrial species? That's an interesting point. And even when the Apollo 11 LEM was on the surface of the moon in 1969, communication was briefly lost with Houston. Uh, that's when a mysterious transmission was heard by some ham radio operators in different parts around the world who claimed to have heard the conversation uh, 
that was muted, but the conversation that was between Neil Armstrong and Mission Control. Yeah, that's where it is believed that uh, he announced that there are other spacecraft here, sir, lined up on the other side of the crater. Those babies are huge, enormous. They're watching us. <laughs> it's thought that the uh, NASA flight director had deliberately muted the channel, but uh, but that there was a second channel that was still open. Uh, it was assumed that the, the public would only be able to hear the primary one that was muted as that was the release and uh, uh, that was made available. So a sort of a blunder on their part uh, by not also muting the secondary channel as well. <laughs> yep. And uh, there was even a quote by Scott Carpenter, who flew in Mercury 7, where he said, at no time when the astronauts were in space, were they ever alone? There was a constant surveillance by UFOs. And of course, it isn't just military pilots and astronauts who have reported UFO sightings. Uh, you know, Every year, there are more than 2,000 of these kinds of lights and crafts seen by commercial airline pilots from all over the world. Uh, the FAA alone receives about 100 a month. Uh, nobody's going to call them Foo Fighters anymore, as that word has fallen well out of vogue. But uh, they are being mentioned by professional aviators, not passengers, um, who are you know, these aviators who have years of experience. I mean, sometimes 20, even 30 years uh, of a career. And they have a lot of experience scanning the vast expanse of sky and they would certainly have the expertise to discern between something known uh, that they've seen before and something unknown that they've never seen before and can't describe. Um, they would also have the skill to be able to uh, dis dismiss the former and then report the latter. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so there is a strong possibility that the Foo Fighters is, again, just another term used to describe unidentified aerial phenomena during World War II. And the question is, were they extraterrestrials monitoring our technological advancements back then? Well, there are definitely strange unidentified flying objects up there. I, I remember one night while working a desert night operation in southwestern Arizona, I was partnered with a border patrol agent to watch for drug smuggling coming up from Mexico. So we hiked up to a mountain cliffside and sat on a ledge overlooking a huge stretch of desert off to the south. Now, we were using a thermal imaging camera, which uh, made the night sky look completely like a winter wonderland. Uh, we also had night vision goggles, and those made everything look green. Yeah, I was working with someone one night. Uh, he was part of SWAT, and he showed me uh, how, how those work. Uh, they're pretty cool to use, and you're right. It makes everything look green. I think uh, those particular devices take near-infrared radiation and combine it with ambient light uh, that is amplified with a photomultiplier so that even in total darkness, it's able to illuminate everything, that there's always some little bit of light present, and illuminates everything uh, with that little bit of light that's present and makes you see everything. Yeah, you see everything like it's daytime. Um, so the uh, the ancient or the agent handed me the... Uh, the night vision goggles and they were his, not mine. <laughs> um, but well, it was the border patrol agent, uh, the border patrol agencies. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I think they cost a ridiculous amount of money. Something like a hundred thousand dollars is what he said wow. as, yeah. Uh, as I was using them, he told me to, uh, look up at the stars. And when I did, I mean, my mouth just dropped. The uh, the night sky was so full of, this, of these greenish yellow dots, which was, you know, due to the light 
the, the, the lighting of the night vision. Um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, the the SWAT guy who showed me his, he said that uh, the, the pair he had were something around you know fifteen thousand dollars. So they're extremely expensive pieces of equipment. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think an individual could afford them. Uh, but like you said, everything in the viewfinder is seen as green, except for the objects that are concealed by darkness. I think most people are actually pretty familiar with what it's like looking through them, um, as there's been plenty of footage uh, shown on TV of that type, you know, from like the, the news coverage about, you know, the military missions that have been going on over the years. Yeah, uh, but, when, but when you're actually looking through them, it's uh, really amazing. And and so the dots or the stars, I should say, <laughs> uh, were so numerous that there was more of them than than there was space between them. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. Um, but then, even more to my amazement, I saw something flying. Um, it was a triangle-shaped UFO. And it was flying westward and then it turned and looped back east and took off, like faded off into space. Like it just warped spit out of there. <laughs> um, it had lights all around it, but they didn't blink. Um, I, that that really got my attention too. Is uh, they they more like uh, pulsated, did not blink, but were more like uh, like a heartbeat pulsating. Um, the lights were all around it, and um, it was like a pool table ball rack type triangle shape. So wait, you, you caught it in the NVG, but you couldn't see it with the naked eye. Yeah, that's right. So when I removed the goggles and looked up, I couldn't see a thing uh, other than the normal night sky. Then I looked through the night vision goggles again and then saw another one that was smaller with dotted lights on the side and, and one in the middle. I said, whoa, what, what is that? And the agent is like, mm, you see UFOs, huh? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so so the, did the Border Patrol agent say that he's seen them before using the goggles? Yeah, he told me that they're they're out there all the time. You don't think it was something that was out on the Goldwater Range, do you? Well, whatever these things were that I saw, they seemed pretty high up. I mean, if 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 they're from Goldwater, they're they're not the usual aircraft that I've seen before. Uh, they were completely different, and they seemed to be so high up that I thought they might even be you know out of the uh, atmosphere. And if they were indeed that high up, then they must have been pretty large. Just you know, based on the scale of the surrounding space, I could see in the viewfinder. Well, and I take it you didn't hear any sound from an aircraft, uh, no jet engine? No, nothing. Just complete silence, man. Wow. <laughs> oh, oh, that, that's that's something else. I mean, did the agent ever make a report about a UFO sighting? You know, I mean, if he's, he said he's seen them all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he did because, um, he, I mean, he did mention that he sees them all the time uh, every time he looks upward with the goggles. But um, pretty much the same thing, though, like the triangular type ones. He, he didn't say anything about saucer or octagon or, uh, you know, the octagon type one. Um, he said there was once a circular um, one with just a couple of blinking lights on it. But uh, it was definitely a round craft. Um, you know, still didn't know what it, what it was, of course. But I, I think he said it was like almost looked like a Pac-Man. You know, Pac-Man with the little <laughs> triangle mouth there, like yeah, Pac-Man in the sky. <laughs> yeah, Pac-Man in the sky. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I, I wish I could see something like that. I think I mentioned before that I've I've never seen a UFO, and I don't know if it's because I'm. I'm not looking in the right places at the right times, or, or maybe the ETs don't like me. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just too darn skeptical for them, so they, they shun me. 
I don't know. <laughs> you should probably need a need a shirt then. A shirt? Yeah, you know the an alien T-shirt. Like everyone knows, <laughs> if you have an alien have a T-shirt with uh, something about aliens on it, that they'll know you're one of their fans. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, celebrities only make appearances to their fans, right? So wouldn't uh, ETs be the same? Heck, uh, perhaps ETs and celebrities are the same things, right? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> we go with the reptilians, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, just just like in the. And that movie, Men in Black. I mean, they had some of those famous people were indeed ETs. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I do a whole podcast on them. Shouldn't that be better than wearing a, a T-shirt? <laughs> I mean, what more do they want? Those crazy aliens. Anyway, that wraps it up for today. Um, so were the Foo Fighters some kind of atmospheric phenomena that was messing with the minds of World War II pilots? Um, were they part of the Nazis' now infamous, highly secret uh Wunderwaffe secret weapons program or were they alien spacecraft uh, that were seen zipping by back then just as they are still seen zipping by in our present day uh, you the audience must decide indeed and uh next time we're going to talk about uh take a look at the the eerie and mysterious importance of crystal skulls in ancient cultures and the role they represent in humankind's comprehension uh, not only of ourselves, but also of those from whom we may have come from. Uh, could they have served as some kind of communication media so to connect with uh, other types of beings? Yeah, they have popped up a lot since the middle of the 19th century and usually in association with pre-Columbian artifacts from the Aztec and Mayan civilizations, although they have been found in other parts of the world as well. Uh, but they seem to show an intrigue with the human skull, particularly because it is where the brain is housed and reveals something about the ancients desire to model and, and maybe even replicate the power of the mind in the form of something else. In this case, a, a crystal, uh, usually quartz. So that is for next episode. We want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, let us know what you think about the Foo Fighters sightings on our Facebook, Instagram or Twitter pages. Uh, we'd love to hear some of your comments. So until next time, stay curious, everyone. Yeah, take care, folks. Uh, We certainly enjoyed being able to share this topic with you, and we hope you'll all tune in again uh, next time. Uh, So definitely uh, send us any comments, uh, questions, or even gripes. Um, We'll even take those. (laughs) Yeah, we'll take gripes, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So uh, until then, have a safe uh, couple of weeks, and uh, we look forward to being with you again. Bye now.